Hello and welcome to episode 12 of A View from the Dugout with myself, Chris, from Surreal on the Budget. And I'm joined tonight by my co-host, a man said to be the inspiration for Robin Williams's Mrs. Doubtfire character, due in small part to his fondness of dressing up as old women. It's Russ from Scotland, Surreal. Russ, how are you doing tonight, sir? I'm not too bad, but these heels aren't fitting. It's the it's the it's the perils and the, the pearl earrings and everything. Um we should really record one of these as a video one of these times so people could actually see you as Mrs. Doubtfire. That could be quite interesting. Yeah, well um we either uh, we either may gain listeners um or we may lose viewers if it's a video, I suppose. Oh yeah, that's that's very true. That's very true. <laughs> so um just to get us started tonight, um a couple of weeks ago when we did the last um I guess we could call it proper podcast. Um, episode 10, we talked a little bit about um, some retro games and retro fantasy football games and things like that. And there was a few comments came in from that. And um, it seemed to be quite popular with guys our age that are looking, you know, back on their their former glory days. And one of the things I was getting asked about was um, our favourite football tops or, you know, football team jerseys or whatever um, that we've had or have seen. And for me, I was just thinking of a couple. Um, I've got a couple uh, that I would like uh, to either have remade or somehow get hold of. So, if you've got any that stand out to you as retro kits that you're uh, extraordinarily fond of, there's there's a couple of kits that I, that I um, that I had, and there's a couple of kits that I wanted that I never had. So, I always wanted the 1988 Netherlands top. Oh, I think that's that's a classic, isn't it? It's it's an absolute thing. It's an absolute thing of beauty. And obviously, with uh, guys like you know your your Hulets and Van Bastens and big Frankie Rijkaard, etc., all wearing that, you know, it was just it was just immense. Now I would have been about eleven or twelve at that time. I think I was still in primary school, um, and I I can't remember who it was, but there was there was certainly was a boy in the school had one, and I was just absolute envy of having that top. Mm. Um, I had the United. Um, I think I was still wearing the United VG top at that point, which was obviously been out for a few seasons. Um, that's an awesome. That's that is you know even as a Dundee fan, that's the one I remember. You know, it's it's weird that you know if you look back on things like we talked about a few episodes ago as well about favorite world cups. And I said, world cup Italia 90 was my favorite, but that's because that was the first one I remember. And, uh, you know, and it's probably the thing that you grow up on and that's where you base everything else on. So that's the United top I remember was the VG one. And that was, it's, it's an excellent top. So, yeah, well, I was still wearing that and I wanted that Netherlands top and I never got it. Uh, and I remember being the, the bizarrest compensation ever. So obviously living in a small Angus town, we didn't have a sports shop in our in our, in our town, um, and the nearest the nearest town had a sports shop, but it didn't really stock football kits. So you'd have to go to actual Dundee City itself to uh, you know to buy to buy kits. Yeah. Now Dundee City had uh, had an Intersport, as you know, which was obviously a well branded one, and I think maybe even Sports Division had opened at this point. That would have been maybe around about nineteen ninety. However, I always remember my mum my agreeing on a, a little bit of compensation. And, you know, we were, we weren't poor, but we, we didn't, we weren't, certainly weren't affluent when yeah, I was yeah, growing yeah. up and things like that. You know, just part-time working mum and dad working shifts and things. However, I got the, I got the agreement that we would get the new United top. And uh, my mum went through to Dundee without me for this top. And she came home with a bag. 
And she said, oh, I've got good news and I've got bad news for you. Now, as a, a 12 or 13 year old at this point, um, in fact, I must have been 13 because I, I, was, I was in high school and I think I was in first year. And it was just at that point where you start to get to play five sides with the third and the fourth years and things. Yeah. And um, my mum opens this bag and in it, there's a C.R. Smith green and yellow Celtic away <laughs> kit. And I'm like, I don't support Celtic, mum. I support Dundee United and everybody knows I support Dundee United. And she says, it's okay. She says, don't, don't worry about it. You'll not get bullied. And I went, no, well, okay, fair enough. I thought to myself, I know quite a lot of Celtic supporting guys, but I'm still not wanting to wear this kit. Mm. And then she went, because they didn't have a Dundee United one. And then she brought out the red and white Rangers away. Um, and I think I had McEwen's lager on it. <laughs> <laughs> like, so you've, you know, you've been sent for a Dungeon United kit, you couldn't find one, and you come back with two away kits for the old firm. That's, um, that's excellent going. So that's 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 pretty pretty forgettable. Um, another two uh, kits very quickly. The I used to wear with pride when I was, you know, following Newcastle United. So I had the Newcastle United tops. Um, I had the ones with the Newcastle brown ale, and I also had the Northern Rock one. Yeah, the, the brown ale. The brown ale is a classic. But do you know what was also a classic around about that time? The goalkeeper shirts that went with those ones, because I think everybody had them. It was all the Adidas ones, wasn't it? And it, yeah, the, everybody had them. I just remember, like, was it Pavel uh, Cernicek? Pavel Cernicek. And then also Shaka Hislop as Shaka, well. Yeah. He also had jerseys that you could have used as sleeping bags. To be perfectly fair, eh? So yeah, yeah no, I remember you know those what? ones. I had, I had those kits and, 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 and a very, very bizarre twist of fate. My very elderly granny came back and said, I got you a football top from my holidays. And um, there'll be a few guys maybe that are, will remember me wearing this, certainly to five sides that, that listen from our sort of local listener base. Um, but she came back with a Real Madrid Pedrag Mijatovic was the name on the back of the back of the top, which was very unusual. I must have been the only guy in Scotland with it. So, um, <laughs> Very bizarre how, how my mum got it so horribly wrong and my granny, who had no clue about football and must have been in her 70s at that point, <laughs> somehow pulled this random Real Madrid Mijatovic top out. So that, that's probably my uh, my kit story. I think for me, um, I remember my, my very first uh, kit was a Dundee one and it was 1987-88 uh, season. Um, it was a Nova phone was the sponsor on it. Um, I just actually shared a picture of it a, a couple of days ago on, uh, I was actually on Facebook. So I've actually got it saved on my phone. So I might bang that up on social, might even put it on the, the AVFTD pod uh, Twitter account. We might both post our, our, our jerseys we've been talking about on there. Um, but the Scotland one from about 88 uh, which was a fairly classic one as well. I had that. And um, yes, I was a full kit wanker. Uh, you know, so it'd be shirts and socks and be ob- absolutely matching. So if you were sent to, you know, uh, PE at school, it was full kit, absolutely full kit. Um, but the ones that I, I remember out with that, there was obviously the, the phase where Scotland had some wild away kits. And there's one that had kind of like the dark blue and purple sort of lightning bolt that kind of came down the middle. Um, I think it was an Umbro one. I've actually seen that one recently on a, a website that I was introduced to uh, by uh, your hero, Fraser, on, on Twitter. He sent me a link for uh, cult kits. And um, boy, they've actually got it in an extra large and it's 199 quid. And um, I, 
I must admit, I'm sorely tempted. <laughs> but then I keep looking at it and I think, God, that's half goalkeeper money. Um, so, you know, there's things like that. But honestly, that that's a website. If anybody's looking at any kind of retro kits and just interested, I just, whilst you were talking about the Dutch one there, I had a quick nosy. They have got various Dutch kits from the kind of 90s and 2000s and predating that 88 classic one. Um, but there is a, I don't know if you've ever seen him, but there's Ellis Platten. Um, he does videos, uh, I think it's under the, the Away Day tag. Um, he buys uh, retro kits as, you know, like just as a, a hobby. And uh, his videos are really good to watch. Um, I think I've actually got him on my Twitter account. And he's uh, his videos are pretty good to watch if you're inter- interested in classic kits. Um, I think you messaged, messaged me the other day talking about classic boots. Uh, as oh. well um, was there a was there a, a particular reason for that or would you like to hear my stories and my boots because I was really lucky I'll, I'll kind of jump in quickly I was really lucky when it came to football boots when I was younger because my birthday is at the end of August so the season used to obviously kind of start mid-August and I would be uh, my gran and granddad would always buy me my boots and um, they were always straight into the, the you know, I think, again, there might have been Intersport in the, in the old Wellgate for anybody that's local to the Dundee area. And um, I used to go in there and every single year I was coming out with brand new and it was and my grand, my grand and granddad, you know, they, uh, they worked hard for their money, but they made sure I came away with the best of things. So it was like, I, I remember having the very first Adidas Predators and having the uh, Puma Kings and the Adidas World Cup boots and all this kind of thing my trainers were always you know I even had Knicks and Gola and stuff like that for my trainers but my football boots man I had the 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 creme de la creme when it came to football boots I remember thinking that these predator ones because it was supposed to increase your power and swerve and everything but because I've got bandy legs I could swerve a football like like nobody's business (laughs) um, but uh, yeah I had that on the ball was like a boomerang going around me it was fantastic so uh, yeah there was I I was pretty lucky when it came to football boots um so how about yourself then? Were you as lucky or do you have a favourite pair? What were your first boots, by the way? My first ones? God. Couldn't first tell football you. boots? Couldn't tell you. I genuinely couldn't remember. I, the first ones I really remember would be sort of kind of... I remember obviously having like my Adidas kind of World Cup ones, just plain blacks with the, with the white. But then the, it was about the era where all the the overlapping tongues came out in all the boots. So it was kind of like that kind of era where I, had, I remember the Puma Kings because they had the massive white fold. You did your laces up and then folded the tongue over the top of it. Um, and then obviously the Preds. I don't remember, to be honest, a lot of other boots before that. Even though I was, I was playing from when I was seven, but you could probably just ask me what I just had for my tea at seven and I probably couldn't tell you. <laughs> I couldn't tell you that little than seven years old. So, um, but yeah, no, I don't, I genuinely don't remember my very remember. first year. My, um, as, I, as I mentioned just there earlier, we didn't have a sports shop in the town. However, what we did have in the little town of Kerrymuir, now Kerrymuir is obviously where I, where I grew up before I moved to, to the Angus town of Forfar. Kerrymuir is probably known for three things in the world. It's known J.M. Barry. So that's mm-hmm. the guy that wrote Peter, Peter Pan. Pan. Yeah, because there's a Peter So Pan he's pretty Pan. famous. He was, yep. he was born there. And Bon Scott, who was the lead singer of ACDC. So that's the other town's claim to fame. And the third one now is probably Scott McKenna, who's obviously that's the, the only guy that went to my high school that's that's ended up as far as I know to my knowledge with a, with an international cap. Could I give you could I give you well a fourth and fifth? Because number four would obviously be you. I mean I've seen a plaque kicking about in uh oh in Kirimir. Uh, uh this is where we finally got rid of Russell. Um but no there was also um 
there's a, a famous kind of Memphis-based wrestler um, called Bill Dundee. I don't know if uh, you, you'll remember uh, Jamie Dundee, probably, um, Jamie Noble. Yeah. Uh, his dad was actually from Kirimir. Um, and Australia, he moved, emigrated to Australia early doors and he adopted his wrestling name being Jamie, uh, being Bill Dundee because Dundee was the closest town to where he, where he grew up. So there you go. There's a little known fact for Kerry Muir for you. Didn't, didn't know that one. Pointless um, fact for anybody else. Um, absolutely. However, anyway, um, Kerry Muir, as I say, didn't have, a, didn't have a sports shop. What it did have was a cobbler's. Oh, yes. And I, 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 I shit you not. So, you know, Joined it, joined it. I think it was like the Kerry, Kerry Muir Boys Club under nines. And it was apparent. I was like, I need boots. So um, my mum my didn't drive. So we, 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 didn't, we didn't go shopping in Dundee to the football boot, you know, sports shop like anybody else. So instead we went to this cobbler's. And uh, amazingly, they had, um, they had a, a couple of pairs of football boots. Now, unfortunately for me, these weren't Adidas or Puma. It was Dunlop. Um, now, you know, it'd probably been as well wearing car tyres on my feet, to be perfectly honest with you. Do you know what I mean? These were awful. I just remember them being a black boot with a yellow stitch in and the Dunlop sign on them. And I remember getting ripped for them <laughs> at football training for having yeah. dunnies. That's what they were called, dunnies. Mm-hmm. Um, now, these obviously didn't last very long, as you can imagine. I probably went home in tears about five or six times as a, as a kid and I need new boots. And thankfully, I quickly made a very small step up the ladder to Gola, which wasn't much better, but it did stop at least the ripping. Um, following that, the two the two pairs that I was first happy with um, were a pair of Patrick Milano football boots, which absolutely loved them. Um, I'm sure they made me run faster, which was great. And then I had a pair of Nike Typhoon, which was just, it was honestly, it was just like the basic white swoosh with a red sort of, um, sort of trim around, yeah, yeah. The, around the swoosh. Um, and that obviously, when you're, when you're starting to wear, when you've progressed from Dunlop and Gola up to Patrick and then Nike, you, you kind of feel as though you've made it. I remember, I always remember there was a, a brand of boots, I think what they called, was it Kaiser or Kaiser, Quasar? Oh, yeah, with the Q-U-A, yes, yes, yes. I actually think, now, either I had a pair of those or my brother had a pair of those because there was a sport, there was a shop in uh, Lockheed, believe it or not. It's actually where there's a carpet shop there now, but it used to be like a clothes shop and it was all kind of old women's clothes, but very occasionally they'd have a football section. And my brother had, uh, speaking of retro tops, he would go in and buy, like, he'd get his pocket money and he'd come out with with a hearts top and a Motherwell top, and a United, just randomly in the shop, but they also had boots, and I remember a Quasar, or I think it was, a pro, that's how I always pronounce it, it was Quasar. Yeah, um, me too. But yeah, I remember those bad boys, yeah. Yeah, I think that was the, the probably the, the journey of the, the boots and uh, the boots and the kits, certainly for us, so something again, just to, uh, just something a little bit different ahead of the, what's been a very boring surreal couple of weeks, I guess. Yeah, it has been, hasn't it? Do you know what, actually, we, I think probably between the two of us, I think we had more feedback on the retro gaming stuff than we probably had on almost anything bad. Obviously, when the Scottish League launched, it really kind of triggered people because it was just something that it takes you back to your childhood, as I said. And it's just, um, I mean, we just now I, I have a pair of black uh, Adidas 
football boots with so with blue stripes on the side of them. And uh, I've had them since my American football days. <laughs> so um, I don't use them very often. And I forgot them the other week. And uh, yes, yes. Christian, on the other hand, he has the football boots these days that have got no weight to them and look like, you know, see he's got ones that are actually see-through believe it or not i don't understand it but hey he he likes it so uh we should probably have had him on to speak about football boots because he'll tell you everything uh so yeah looking at the the most recent game weeks obviously um as you mentioned um the, the international break seems to have gone on forever and i'm dreading december and when the World Cup's on. But um, yeah, a couple of weeks worth. But to be fair, I did have the opportunity to play with the Brazilian lads. I managed to pull another card at the the weekend there, and it was another kind of tier three. So it wasn't a great reward, but it was uh, Pele, is it Pele Clement from, uh, or Clement from uh, Zwolle in the Dutch League? Yeah, well, I've been trying to find details. Obviously, I can see that he's set to leave the club, but I can't see an awful lot of speculation as to where. I've seen Heeren Veen was mentioned on one of the posts. But I think that was Yeah, he's not going to be still in the second He's a good player. I'm quite content to hold on to him because I think he's probably one of the better players there. Did miss kind of half the season with an ankle injury and stuff. So, But like that, very happy to keep a hold of him. Um, but beyond that, not a lot. My, my game week started uh, for the midweek one here. Um, started last night, and my I had that dilemma. I, I sent you it. I posted it up on Twitter saying, "Do I go strong in in America, or do I stick with the specialist kind of thing?" And I went with the specialist, and my very first player got sent off after forty five minutes last night, which was just marvelous. So I got twenty points from him. Um, so that's probably killed any chances of a of a bigger card, certainly in in there. But looking forward to the weekend. I've got the J League coming back, so I've actually got three goalkeepers that are actually playing again. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, but how how were you at the weekend? And uh, have you got what were you looking at for the weekend? I think I mentioned just on the sort of the podcast extra on Sunday, I was quite hopeful for America. Um, at that point, I think at that, when we recorded that pod, I had four and I was waiting on Sebastian uh, Leggett to play. And he didn't. Oh, well, that's fantastic. <laughs> um, so I was looking, I was sitting on about 180 points, um, give or take. And of course I'd put, Carlos Sola, just because I wasn't sure if he was going to start for Spain or not, I'd put him in another team. And Jan Gregus, who'd been obviously recovering from injury and things like that, I put him in another team. And of course, they both went and scored what 68, 65 points. And right. I think I think I probably would have been maybe just a little bit shy for getting a card. However, that would have been in my all-star team. So I would have had the threshold payment. And about a... one eighth as it goes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, just um, I think like most people, I think we're all just glad to see the end of this um, international sort of window. It just feels as though I think generally in football, I think you know you've got you've got all these fans of clubs and stuff that have just whether you know whether you're sort of like an old Firm fan or whatever, but you've seen your Celtic have won the league and Rangers have, you know, lo- losing that final and then Liverpool losing the final and things. You know, there's just, I think so many people have just been wanting to see this season come to a close and a finale. Yeah. And this has really stretched it and dragged it on. Yeah. And it's like, you know, we're just finishing up. I think today's the last, uh, the very last Nations League games. I think there's maybe a couple still tonight or whatever, but it's like the 15th of June. And it's like, yeah. 
it's like the season, the preseason, preseason started at some of the sort of lower league clubs. Yeah. It's actually started again. Yeah, but I mean, even like that. I mean, the draw for the uh, the second qualifying round for the Europa Conference was made today. So yeah. Motherwell were pulled out against either uh, Bala, is it Bala Town, Bala Town or, or Sligo. Sligo. So that's some mad European adventure getting to go to Wales or, or to Ireland. But it's um, you know, it's one of these things. Um, I think we we're going to touch on it in a minute, but we're as well touching on it now. The it's not been a, a great kind of a week or so for the, the home nations. Obviously, uh, Wales made it to the to the World Cup, and kudos to them. Um, I've got my, my wee thoughts on that. I don't think the, the Wales-Austria game, quite frank, was it, it was Wales and Austria was the other player, uh, semi, wasn't it? Yeah, the, yeah. the, 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 the so Austria, then it was... Uh, I, I, I don't think that game should have been played ahead of time, because that allowed Wales to go into their uh, Nations League game at the same time Scotland were playing Ukraine and basically play a weakened team because they didn't have Aaron Ramsey in that lineup. They didn't have Gareth Bale. They weren't neither, but I don't even think we're on the bench that game. And then, so they were able to save those players, give them a bit extra time before putting them into the final against Ukraine. But however, they went out, they'd done the business, they're into the World Cup. So um, that's going to be an interesting group uh, with, uh, I think it's themselves, England, uh, USA, USA and Iran. Iran. So yeah. that'll be we'll, we'll all be Iran in, uh, <laughs> in in December probably, but um, yeah. So that that'll be interesting. Obviously, England had their uh, their hammering last night uh, from Hungary. They've had a very poor call up. And again, you know, do you go back to the everybody's tired kind of thing, or do you you know? I mean, I guess the Hungarian lads have all been playing as well. Um, but yeah, it, it's and then obviously we had that sketchy start last night. Um, being Tuesday, this is obviously Wednesday when we're recording, um, against uh, Armenia. And it looked as though the wheels were entirely off and then we made it 4-1. Um, one of those results, and I think Steve Clark's even said it as well, it's kind of, you know, it's it's not helped the standing of anything, you know, because it was a, it was a poor international break for us as well. So it's been a mixed bag, I would say, for the, for the, the home nations as such. What would you think? Yeah, just... Picking up on it, um, more more so not so much about the actual results and things, but just more around sort of some of the sort of press and you know we you know we openly said on or certainly I did on Sunday that you know I'm starting to be a little bit concerned around Steve Clark and I know that we I know that we went and we beat a very poor Armenia side there which was ten men predominantly for a lot of the game, um, then further reduced to nine. But one of the things I noticed, and I've seen quite a lot on social media where, you know, say individual players getting selected. And I noticed, like, you know, Che Adams getting absolutely hammered on social media. And I just done a wee bit of digging just around England, Wales and Scotland. So Che Adams was obviously getting sort of pulled up on his goals record and not scoring lots of goals. However, I think it's pretty arguable, you know, that Che Adams has been a lone striker a lot of the time. He puts in some amount of, you know, hard yards. Does a lot of running. I really like him. Personally, I really, really like him and I feel much better when he's playing up front for Scotland because I feel we've got a bit of pace, energy and power up there. However, Adams has scored four goals in the last year. And just to put that in comparison, okay, so this is basically since um, the Euros last year. So Adams has scored four for Scotland. In that same time period, Lyndon Dykes has scored four. 
and John McGinn scored three goals in that time period. And you're looking at that thinking, hmm, that's not a lot of goals. However, the Nations League, what it does is it puts you up against teams of what's perceived to be the same ability as you. So there's no longer Scotland playing Andorra or England playing San Marino in the Nations League. Now, we used to obviously be able to build up all our players with their goals when, you know, managers would select teams for friendly. So they would pick... Historically, you would find that it would be, okay, you know, Scotland's going to play France in a friendly, but then you're also going to play Luxembourg. So one game's to give your players the real hard test and the other one's to get the confidence up and get some goals. Now, I was just looking, just in comparison. So there's, in the last year, Adams four, Dykes four, McGinn three. Saka for England has only scored four goals in that same period. And he's obviously been described as, you know, complete generational talent. Now, I know he's not an out-and-out striker. I know he plays quite wide. But his four goals have come against, two of them have come against Andorra, one against San Marino and one against Austria. Now, is there that much of a difference between, you know, him scoring four and, say, Dykes and Adams scoring four? Mason Mount has only scored four goals for England. His last goal was March 2021. And Raheem Sterling, who you would class as probably England's second most sort of attacking-minded player, He's only got five goals in a year. And that's for obviously a nation that's been ranked in the top 10 in the world for what, probably the last 10, 11, 12 years, apart from their very slight yeah. dip. So looking at that, you know, you're looking thinking, well, are Scotland's sort of attacking players doing that badly? And finally, just a, a very small, quick comparison. Harry Wilson has now got 39 caps at age 25 for Wales. He only got one goal in the last year as an attacking player. Aaron Ramsey, who admittedly does have 20 goals all time in all his caps, but he's only scored four in the last year. So again, that's just on par with the rest of these. And the only exceptions to the rule are obviously Harry Kane, who we all know, you know, he's on he's on everything in England, penalties, etc. And he obviously has weighed in with double figures and goals in the last year. But even Gareth Bale's only got six. So I think maybe sometimes we lose maybe a little bit of sight. We all want our nations to do well. We all get frustrated when we get beat. Um, when you're missing out on major tournaments, and it seems to be for like certainly for Scottish fans, and probably for the same for like the guys at Northern Ireland and the Republic, etc., we just seem to fuck up at the you know the the crucial times. Whereas England and even latterly now Wales seem to get it right just at those absolutely crucial times. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's quite quite interesting just when you're actually looking at it, thinking because long gone are the days of guys running away with, you know, 10, 12, 15 goals in a, in a sort of 12-month period for international caps because you're just, you're playing, the Nations League has really, really changed just how the international scene works. And I think even Southgate mentioned that yesterday. Yeah, I, I mean, I think, obviously, I guess having the World Cup in, uh, in winters obviously exacerbated uh, the... You know, having the four fixtures in this break at the end of a long season, um, you know, and now the seasons are going to be starting earlier than normal because of the World Cup there as well. So I think I mentioned it at the weekend, you know, in terms of the break that players are actually getting. Um, so, you know, it's 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 all kind of, it all goes together, doesn't it? I mean, it's there is a bit of an apathy about the, the Nations League, but then we qualified for, for the Euros through it. So you're you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't with some of these competitions. Yeah. You know, it does give teams that wouldn't... I mean, who was it? Was it Macedonia that made it to the to the Euros as well? Um, and they wouldn't, they wouldn't have no chance of qualifying for it had it not been for the Nation's League. So whilst it's, you know, good for kind of 
let's say, you know, the, the middling nations or below, um, you know, some of these teams like a Belgium and things like in England, they're going to qualify anyway. So really, these are glorified friendlies, but the expectation is, you know, England should beat Hungary. Our expectation was we should go to Armenia and, you know, roll them over. And for the first 30 minutes, it didn't look like we were going to. So when that happens, you do look for a scapegoat. You know, like last night, obviously England's scapegoat's been uh, the, the keeper, Rams, uh, Ramsdale. The, um, Ramsdale, yeah. Yep, so mm-hmm. he's been made the scapegoat for it. And then obviously, you know, Shea Adams was getting made a scapegoat the other night when we lost to... to to uh, Ireland, um, but again, he's not had the service. So what can you do? I mean, we've got no, we had no width. You know, we're playing with no wide players other than expecting the fullbacks to get forward. So it's, yeah. you know, it, it's all relative. But often, you know, a, a misfire in striker, they get the bullet, don't they? And it's, you know, it's just how <laughs> how us football fans are and how fickle we can be. Um, just looking a wee bit ahead, you know, just to. Um, some surreal news because um, I'm conscious that we're a fair bit in. We've not really talked a whole lot beyond our game weeks. Um, obviously, surreal news-wise, um, I suppose there's, there's not anything major. Obviously, this week we've got the three, the return of the three clay. Um, so the three, the three-player uh, team is back. Um, same as last time. I think it's three players under fifty-five. I want to say that it is. Um, I've got one in. Um, it's not strong in the least. I've got a couple of stronger teams um, elsewhere, but that one was kind of my leftovers <laughs> that I've kind of put into that one. Um, not for any reason other than I'm, I don't really want to go and you know buy any other players at the moment. But the big news probably out with Serer, but affecting Serer, is obviously the, the monstrous ETH crash that we've, we've seen uh, and just crypto in general. Now, I'm not going to sit here and profess to be you know an expert in terms of the crypto markets or anything like that. I read some of the articles, I look at them and I see words and I recognise the words as being English, but I've never seen them used in that order before. So it's quite difficult to you know grasp what some of these articles are actually talking about. However, um, we've mentioned on a few a, a podcast a wee while ago, looking back to last May when ETH crashed from three grand down to twelve hundred, and it was, you know, very quick and very very sharp decline, and maybe not as harsh and as sharp as this one has been, but it was certainly a you know a sharp decline. And I talked about the sleepless nights I was think, having, you know, thinking all my profits were down the drain and everything like this. And obviously, we we went on to discuss the fact that you know eventually, once the once it levels itself back out, um, the fiat prices, the pound, the dollar, or the, the euro, whichever your currency may be, it will start to balance back out. I mean, I've already seen it. I mean, my gallery's gone up ten uh, percent in the last twenty four hours. Um, and, and I've done nothing. I've got nothing listed and I've bought nothing. But my gallery's gone up in terms of the ETH value, it's gone up 10%. Um, but the dollar value that, that, that shows on Surreal Data is within $100 of where it was. So it's it does start to balance back out and it will continue. You know, if it does continue to fall, um, the ETH versus the, you know, whatever currency, it's it'll take its time in Surreal to, to, to reflect that. And um I keep seeing articles and I get bored seeing the same things and the same people saying the same things. And people are probably bored of me saying the same things. But, you know, I'm not going to profess to be an expert. All I can say is we've been through a cycle similar, not as harsh, but as similar. And eventually the fiat prices will level back out to where they were. 
And bear in mind, we're still pre-boom for the European cards. So um, I don't know if you want to make any kind of comments or if we want to have a back and forth about it or anything, Russ. I just think, again, this, um, it just reinstates what, you you know, uh, like you, I'm I'm, I'm not particularly interested in crypto. I'm not going to lie. I've got pretty much zero interest in crypto. Um, I just happen to, my only interest in crypto is because Sarir, is, is is based on it, and yeah. that's just been as honest as it can be. Um, for me, this just again reinstates the argument about. I know that we all trade our players in ETH price, but yeah. we don't value in ETH. We value in fiat. And yeah, we certainly do. Anyway. You know, we've seen it. We've seen so many polls. We've seen. So many social media sort of, whether it's social media influencers in the NFT market or more so certainly recently in the Surreyor community, we've seen it countless times over the last year. Do you value your players in ETH or fiat? And I've said from day one, uh, you know, my spreadsheets and all that, as you know, are all in pound value so that I know how much I've paid. And this, I think, just cements it more than ever when we've seen this crash. So just as a wee example, and I, I honestly I challenge anybody, I really do, for anybody that's turning around and saying that they're still valuing all their gallery purely in ETH for buying and for buying and selling and trading. I don't mean just sitting looking at surreal data and just saying that's how much my gallery's worth. I mean players that are active every day trying to do transactions and trades. So I bought Liam Smith of Dungeon United. He's a defender card. It's a rare. He was bought for 0.027 ETH. Yeah. Now, he cost at that point, that was £62 for a defender. I thought it was good value. I was happy with the card. If you offered me 0.028, if I was a person that was valuing an ETH, yeah, yeah. that's going to give me a 0.01 ETH profit. Happy days. Right now, I'm getting that, that value is 27 quid. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That's less than half. So for anybody that, if you are valuing in in ETH currency, as opposed to valuing in fiat. And let's be honest, we've had this conversation many times. I'm not here to, we're not trying to dictate to anybody or trying, but it's just you've got to get the concept around that the you know that your your fiat currency is the one that you're going to extract in. Mm-hmm. That's the one that you're going to basically put in your bank account that is going to buy whatever you know, whether it's your car, your house, your holiday. Um, it's not going to be the Ethereum that you that you go into, you know, the, the travel agent and book your holiday with, or you're not going to walk in Arnold Clark and say, "Oh, it's okay, mate. I've got, you know, I've got two ETH here for your for your for my new Vauxhall or whatever." Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just laughable. Um, I get that. I suppose the gamble part and the, the fluctuation part is with the crypto side of things, mm-hmm. but the actual when it comes down to cold hard cash. Um, it's you've got to be you know it's absolutely I think it's absolutely crazy if you're valuing in the cryptocurrency as opposed to valuing in um in the in the fiat. So for example, Liam Smith there, I mentioned him just now. Um if I was to to sell him, and I'm just actually trying to, to just to do it live here, but if I was to sell him, I think I would have to list him at about 0.06 to get my 60 quid back. Yeah. Which would be about right, isn't it? Because it's just under yeah. one. Is that right? Yeah, it's, it was sitting. I mean, it's gone down as low as eight hundred and twenty quid. I think at some point today, um, but it was shown back up at nine hundred. But it's 
You're absolutely right. I mean, I could use another example. I mean, I had uh, Connor Barron. Uh, well, I have Connor Barron. And I, his rare card, I had it listed at... Um, I had it listed at 300 quid. And the reason I had it listed at 300 quid, A, under 23 card, he's going to be a key player at Aberdeen next year and everything like that. But also, it was able. I was able to just click at a quick glance, right, okay, ETH must have gone up because now he's shown us 320 quid or he's shown us 280 quid and it gives me a, it was like a, a red flag that I could go in and I could remove my players from sale if I seen it dropping too far. But um, I was getting offers. I had an offer of 0.135 just a week ago, and that was exactly £200. Now, I rejected it because I think in, you know, in a month's time, I'll probably get more for them. And I, <laughs> I, I seen there was two auctions that were finishing tonight, and his average price has gone up to 0.212. And that worked out as, you guessed it, 200 quid. And um, it's it's because, you know, the, I, whilst the, the, the market might still have very undervalued cards on it just now, um, it, because people are still, you know, they haven't necessarily removed or it's the habitual, you know, listers, oh, this card that was 0.02, I'm putting it back up at 0.02. Um, and then they wonder why it's quickly sold. Um, but it's it's the, the auctions are going to start to drive the prices back up because those will be where you'll see the likes of that happen because there was still a Connor Barron, but it was a smart person. They had it listed at 0.25 and I think it was, and it was 240 quid or whatever it was at the time. So I was like, right, okay, happy days. So that's the reason my gallery has bumped up um, by 10% because prices are starting to adjust. Um, and like I say, I'm $100 down in the, the overall value in the last 24 hours, but my gallery has gone up 10% in ETH. It doesn't take a brainiac to figure out that it's it's because the, the dollar, the, the pound value or whatever, which, whichever currency you want to use, the rupee value of that card is is level. It's It, it, it will level back out. So yeah. I understand people trying to, you know, selling some of their undervalued cards for higher amounts of ETH just now because they might want to hoard some ETH because they think that it's going to go back up. And it may well do. That's a speculative personal opinion on that sort of thing. So that, that's got nothing, as far as I'm concerned, if you're holding a balance, that's got nothing to do with this debate. This debate is about yeah. the value of your cards. So if you want to sell your cards, get as much ETH as you can because you believe in six months time, ETH is going to be back up to three grand. Go for it. That's entirely your prerogative but when it comes to valuing your cards it's pounds and pennies it's dollars and cents it's euros and cents it's that it's that simple i don't understand how it could be though i do understand because crypto is a confusing market but when it comes to this one and i tweeted uh there was there was a a tweet that i saw on tuesday morning and i i, I sent what the uh um, a copy or a screenshot over to you russ and it was and there was a, you know, somebody influential in the NFT scene put up something along the lines of, in this bear market, which is what they call when it's all going mm -hmm. down, in this bear market, um, what, you know, the, what platform should it be looking to invest in? And I, I posted on it, it's surreal, without question, utility, NFTs, and, and uh, utility and NFTs that hold their true value in fiat too. And within a minute, Nicholas had retweeted that and I took that as basically there you go, it's fiat. The boss says it's fiat. They yeah. and, and they've said and asked me anything's 
that they don't hold ETH. No. Everything's sitting in their accounts in euros, which is a great thing because otherwise they would have just lost 66% of their value in the last six months. So they hold it in their own currency. And that's why when you're seeing, you know, uh, you know, the higher ETH payment being 0.0411 or whatever it was the other day. Um, that's why you're seeing it looking like that because they're holding their funds in, in in currency, you know, not cryptocurrency, but actual physical currency. So when, they're, buy, when they're paying everybody out, they're paying it out in that. So it's a no brainer. That's, that's what the company themselves look at. I don't understand how the users can necessarily look otherwise, but I mean, that's probably beating a drum. But, uh, you know, for, for people, especially our, our newer listeners or the newer players to the game, I think it's important to understand that because there will be people who are panicking right now, yeah. seeing their, their card value dropping. But then there was, again, another example. A few weeks ago, I mentioned, when we last talked about this, the Kylian Mbappe that was going for first place in the underdog went for 1.3 ETH at the time. And yesterday in the auction, a limited Kylian Mbappe went for 2 ETH. And guess what? The currency value was the same. So it's it's <laughs> he didn't go for for you know half that price because ETH had dropped. It's it's that yeah. simple, basically. So, I think it's important and like you say, as sort of what we would class ourselves as sort of moderate to sort of middle middle of the road, maybe users in the game now through obviously through hard graph, but obviously coming from the very bottom. Um we don't want to see anybody getting burnt, you know, especially the new user base. We're trying to attract new users and getting, you know, more players involved and grow the product. And that, that benefits everybody, you know, the, then all the markets become more active. And, you know, I've, I've noticed myself that I've gone from lots of, I, I normally get a lot of offers every day for players, whether they're listed or not. And it really has slowed down quite considerably. Now, I know that the international market is part of that, but there is also this uncertainty and this, Probably the new users over the last sort of six months are like, oh, I, I'm not actually sure how to value the minimum players now. And like I was saying there, you know, I, it would be very easy for me to sit and look and think, oh, I could make Ethereum here on an at Liam Smith card for 0.27. And I could look and go, right, I'll sell them for 0.4. Now that would come in at 40 quid, but what it would still mean is I've actually lost 20 pounds. So at one point, when I come to sell everything, oh, I don't have all the money that, originally deposited now obviously that's not a scenario for me but for a new user that could be when they're going and they decide oh do you know what this isn't for me sell up all their cards and they're like oh i've got more ETH. how am i 300 pounds less in cash you know so and that's the reality we don't want to see anybody getting um anybody getting burned and i think like everything else our dms are always always open advice is free you'll get you'll get an honest opinion from both chris and i um more often not, probably about 75 to 80% of the time, it'll probably be relatively aligned, but occasionally it'll not be. But um, yeah, I think that's quite important just now. So, yeah, I mean, just on, just on that note, obviously that would be at Scotland Serene for Russ or at Serene on the budget for myself, or we've both got access to the, the podcast Twitter account, which everybody's going to be needing to follow very soon because we're away to go and tell you when to take your screenshots. But that's at AVFTD pod. So, and the DMs are open there. They'll need to be open for, for the competition, but they're open. Um, so if you've got questions and you want answers, if you send it to the, the, the 
podcast account both of us have got access to that so yes. two birds one stone with that you might you know we might actually have to start replying maybe with a k at the start or an r at the start so you know yeah. who the hell you're talking to but it's it's just to give you an idea you know if if you are struggling or you are in in some doubt because i i i go back to it and i make no bones about it last year last may when it was dropping so far i was actually waking up in the middle of the night and checking what ETH was setting up because I was panicking so much because I was like, God, I've gone from 300 quid and it was about 13 or 14, 1500 pounds at the time. And I'm like, you know, that again, a lot of money, even the 300 was a lot of money to me. And it's just like to start thinking in the back of your head, it's gone. It's going to be dropping constantly. Get breathe breathe and just let it play out you go in my my gallery i think i said this at the weekend go and have a look at my gallery you'll see not a single player it's transfer listed just now because it's too volatile for me um i mean if i'm playing in just eth i would have all my stuff listed and not care it's too volatile for me because i could list something tonight wake up tomorrow morning and eth's gone from a thousand pounds to 600 pounds and my card sell, you know my hundred pound card sells for 60 and I'm not willing to do that. Same as Russ isn't. So, but if you want that advice, please just, you know, by all means, drop in. Just had a quick look on the Serea data uh, homepage. Um, the auction volume for the last 24 hours is actually up 5%. Um, and the offers are actually down 8%. So um, that could maybe be reflective of the, well, as you mentioned, the international break still being on. Um, or it's, a you know, a reflection of, you know, people are just a wee bit more tentative about putting things up for sale. And it's understandable because yeah. I like to say I've got nothing up. Uh, a wee tip um, that that I do, and you'll notice, and it's uh, <laughs> when a few people ask me over the over the probably about the past year, I've been doing it for about a year now. But I list um, I list one of my cards for one ETH. Uh, I'm just not one of these people that checks crypto websites and things, but I list a card for one ETH. Now, if it was to sell for one ETH, I would be dancing in the streets of Dundee. <laughs> However, it's got no chance of selling for one ETH because it's not worth, it's not even worth half of it. Um, but I, I only do that. And it's the same card just listed. It's a blue Niclo Daily Super Rare. Um, accordingly, though, because of, because of the mass drop in value, I've actually now got listed for two and I just half the figure in my head. But ultimately, I was doing that so that I always knew because that actually, it, it ticks live. Yeah. So when you log in every time, it will actually show you what that one ETH is worth. So that's a good idea for a card that's maybe you've got, yeah. you know, if you've got a card in your gallery, that stick a limited one up for one ETH and, you know, you'll always know um, what the what the surreal value um is, is so that's that's probably just a wee tip there not a bad shout at all eh? so that's kind of like what i did with the corner barn having them up to 300 quid so i could see the fluctuation oh it's going up and then i could go back in and change it to 300 quid again and then see where i'm sitting so no that's that i think that's totally spot on i mean if we we're going to continue on this today let's go on to a positive because that's kind of you know a wee bit of a downer not necessarily a downer but it's a confusing one but let's kind of lighten it up um let's look ahead to the return of the European leagues, Russ. Let's look to kind of August time and we've got our rare goalkeepers in place. Um, you've obviously mentioned a few times about the All-Star Pro um, mm. and kind of like, you know, what's what you've got kind of going on. I'm basically looking at two teams. Uh, at the moment, I am sat with 22 rare cards and I will, once this all settles, I'll and then the boom kicks off, I will be selling about seven of those cards, at least. Um, and that will allow me to run with my two teams and still have a couple, excuse me, a couple of options uh, to run with there. And um, 
I just thought it might be a wee bit interesting just to have a wee look and see what we would maybe project our starting lineups to be because obviously, you know, you're used to your projection lineups for your uh, Sarah Sharp uh, Scottish lineup. So uh, do you want me to go first or do you want to have go a wee look? You I'll go, go first. You go. So I've been kind of debating around uh, which players because I've got quality in each position, but... Um, you know, I guess a few episodes ago you said not to sound bammy, um, but I do have some. I have kind of picked up some quality cards, so it's going to be a wee bit of a debate um, as to to which ones that I'm going to use. So, starting with the goalkeepers, I've got the Ross County goalkeeper Ross Laidlaw, and I've also got the Motherwell goalkeeper Liam Kelly. So, it's going to be all star and it's going to be challenger, and I'll probably use the better of the two, whoever's got the better fixture. I'll probably use that one in my challenger um, because I feel that the challenger is probably easier or more likely to, to hit a card, whereas my uh, all-star one's probably going to be looking, you know, to make sure I hit the ETH, um, probably the higher. Well, I mean, it won't be the ETH, it'll be the $50 at the time, won't it? So um, defender-wise, I'm looking at probably David Bates of Aberdeen. And Ryan Edwards of Dundee United, as much as that keeps paining me when I when I come back to that, I'm looking at having a United player as my uh, as my centre back or as my defender. But those are my two main defenders. Now I have also got probably my backup options. I've got four other defenders there. I've got Jack McKenzie of Aberdeen. I've got Liam Smith that you've just mentioned. Um, I've got Scott Tanzer of uh, St Mirren, and I've got Connor Randall of uh, Ross County. So I have options to play two. Um, I'm probably just in both those ones. Probably going to play the one, um, the one defender in both those those lineups. So I've got scope there for selling a couple of those midfielder wise. Um, I always come back to being tempted to use Stefan Nuts because he's he's that kind of cult hero player for me. Um, but I do also have I've got Connor Barron. I feel that this is going to be a big big season for Connor Barron. Um, I've also got Alan Forrest, who's just moved to Hearts. And um, I've got Mark O'Hara, who's moved to St Mirren. So I feel like those could be my four main midfielders that I would probably look at using. But I've also then got Ross Callahan, Ross McCrory, Greg Kilty. So I've got serious options in midfield that I could slide in, whether it be to look at, you know, quote-unquote ETH grinders or, you know, players that could, you know, if Alan Forrest, could you, I mean, Alan Forrest and Barry Mackay, uh, as the wingers at Hearts, maybe supplying Liam Boyce and possibly Shanklin, that could be that could be a tasty uh, front four um, for for Hearts. Definitely. You know that could uh, that could definitely yield them results. And then when it comes to the forwards, um, I was dev- I haven't come to the Scottish news, but I was devastated last night when I seen that uh, Christian Ramirez has returned for pre-season training, and um, I've obviously sold mine. So I don't have him there, but my main two strikers at the moment are going to be Kevin Van Veen of Motherwell and Marcus Pink of Klagenfurt. Um, I'm a big fan of Marcus Pink. Um, he's done me he's done me well. Um, but I've also got a little couple of dark horses. My main dark horse that I've got there, though, is Chris Kane of St. Johnston. Um, the St. Johnston manager, Callum Davidson, said on in multiple interviews he's going to be leaning heavily on him next season. Um, he also gave an update that basically he'll be back into full training by the start of the season, but he's going to need games. So you're probably looking into September before he's actually fully back in the start of 11. But, I mean, he was effectively a, a, a make weight in a trade that I got from Pavel. So I think I, I probably valued him at the time about 15 quid. 
for what is going to end up being a starting striker. So um, I've also got Joseph Efford and I also picked up Scott Pittman um, from, from Livingston. Um, he's actually a midfielder, but he's got a forward card and he's always going to get you the 40 points, basically. You know, it's it's one of those cards. It's not going to be spectacular, but I could easily slide that into All-Star and, you know, work towards getting the 205 or the 250. So that's where I met with those two. I've also got my limited under-23s team as my other main one that I'm excited about. And I've got Philip Menzel of Klagenfurt and the goal in that one. And then I've got, God, what's it with me and the United Defenders? Am I closet? A closet Arab, Russ. Um, it's quite possible, so. isn't it? An Arab, by the way, is a Dundee United fan. It's a, it's a term that goes back to when they had a pitch that was like the Sahara, where it was covered, covered in, in sand. sand. Um, so they became known as the Arabs. So it's not a, a, it's not a racial stereotype or anything. It's a, it's a Dundee United fan is known as an Arab. Um, sorry, I don't know if I'm a closet one, but yeah, Ross Graham um, at the back. Connor Barron again in midfield. Um, and I, I do have uh, Jake Doyle Hayes um, and my front man was going to be Bruce Anderson. I may well look at other options just to see what else I could bring in there. Um, but that's at the moment, that's kind of the main three lineups that I'm quite excited about. Oh, yes. Uh, Melkerson of Hibs that you tipped in the Scottish launch video uh, or launch podcast. I always say video uh, in episode four. Um, I picked him up as well. And uh, again, another one I'm quite excited about. So that's my three main teams. Anything else is a bonus. I will be looking at specialists and all that kind of jazz. But that's probably my three main teams uh, that I'm looking at moving forward. How about you, Russ? Just to do it in a wee bit of a different format. Um, I, as I say, I've been strategizing for quite some time. So this is from August to November that I've kind of looked at. Um, obviously, I did miss summer teams a couple of months back. So August to November, I'll not I'll not go into my limiteds because obviously I've got quite a few teams here just with having a wee bit more of a sort of expansive gallery at the moment. Um, I will be running one, two, three, four. I've got five limited teams, which is only an under 23 um, goalkeeper short of having a kind of full complement. Um, and there's also a legends team in there with Hulot Van Basten and Zanetti that I'm, that I'm obviously really quite excited about using at some point. However, for the rares, I have looked long and hard at this, and I am going to run a global rare, a global pro, an America's rare, a global 23s with a, I'm going to use a common keeper here. So it's going to have to, you know, it's a bit of a hit and a miss with that one. I've got no great expectation with it. Um, Champion rare, challenger rare, and challenger pro. So out with the global 23s, the other six teams, I feel, um, should all be capable of winning a card on their day. So what I'm going to run, champion rare, um, obviously really quite a tricky tricky league to do well in, but I've got um, Rafael uh, Gikiewicz in the goal, who's a playing goalkeeper. Um, he's been actually touted with a couple of moves in Germany, but I believe he will still be the number, number one wherever he ends up. I've got the Getafe. Uh, captain Jeannie Dakenham for defence. I've got Lars Stindl, who I think I mentioned on one of my er- yep. the early podcasts as a f- kind of big favourite of mine. Had him in football index. It was great for goals and assists, free kicks, penalties. Um, he is, I believe, still the captain there. So you'll see there's a bit of a theme with captains. And then I've got Charles Aranguiz at Leverkusen, who obviously gives me international utility. 
as my champion wear team. Now, I did have Borja Mayoral as my main yeah. striker. Now, I've still got him, but I'm being honest, I'm looking at actually changing that out and I've not decided who the replacement striker is going to be. But there's four out of five for the champion, rare, kind of cemented in stone. Challenger rare and challenger pro. Um, I've got challenger rare, Erwin Mulder, who's obviously just a way to move in the Dutch league. Again, he's a very good keeper. He should be the number one, depending on where he moves. He's actually been a little bit vocal on um, social media and on Twitter and a few translated articles saying that there's something coming up soon. I'm hoping I've not missed anything in the last few days. But he'll be my goalkeeper. Ryan Edwards, uh, Zymer, I think it's Batiki, um, you pronounce him, who's at Konyaspor. He's phenomenal. He's absolutely phenomenal. I've got really, really, really high hopes for him. Um, he's in the midfield. Josef Yazici, who had a spell in the Russian league there. It's I'm not 100% sure where he's going to play, but I'm hoping that I can play him in the challenger. And Thierry Ambrose, the X-Man City striker, who's in the Jupiler league. So that will be my, my challenger rare team. And they're all playing. They're all relatively quite high scoring cards. Challenger Pro, I think I mentioned it last week, but it'll be Akinfeev in the goal, Declan Gallagher, super rare. Ian Harks, Nicky Clark, super rare, and Liam Smith. So it's very Dundee United themed. I'm going to enjoy, obviously, That's, you know, yeah. going, to, going to enjoy like watching the scores come in on that. You know, Dundee yeah. United going win at home or something like that, 2 0, and that could be my week, you know. Yeah, totally. I don't expect it to do well every week, being honest. But what I do expect is that every sort of four or five weeks that that is up there and maybe potentially um, winning cards. And I think the key to that is just keep putting that same team out, not split it up, not have them all and spread out in different teams, just keep the consistency with it. Um, Global Rare, Global Pro, Global Rare, I'm going to stick with Eloy Room, as uh, obviously that's an MLS keeper at Columbus Crew. Uh, Our good mutual friend, Mr Takahashi from Raceall, will be in defence. Carlos Solar in the midfield, Michael Frey up front, and Brian Heenan. So I feel that that's really quite strong. You know, there's some pretty well-used and sort of high-end cards there for Global Rare. Yeah. I am in the market for a Global Pro goalkeeper. However, I will be also using um, Ayrton in the Brazilian League, Savio in the Japanese, again, at Raceall. Mm-hmm. And I've got the two super rares, Sagawa at, is it Shonen, Shonen Belmer? Shonen Belmer, yeah. Yeah. And uh, Tony Valhenna, who I'm not 100% sure where he's going to play, but I'm pretty confident he'll be playing at a club where he scores quite well. So that'll be the Global Pro. And finally, just the America's Rare and the Global 23s. I'll still have enough cards. America's Rare, I'll be sticking with my consistent William Yarborough, Lalas Akubakar, which gives me my Colorado Rapids duo. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christian Espinosa, Sebastian Letget, who admittedly let me down this week, but <laughs> I will continue. And Lucas Cavallini up front. And I feel that's generally quite strong. And the Global 23s, I've got the I've got the lad Tani. Um, I, I can't remember what club he plays for off the top of my head. Uh, Japanese J-League goalkeeper. Yeah, it's Sean in as well. That's right. That's right. Yeah. He's, so on lo- gonna... he's, on, he's on loan from Gamba, I believe it is. Ah, right. Okay. Um, I'm going to r- run with him. I've got Ewood Plotinch, the who was the Belgian 20th, 21s or mm-hmm. 23s captain. Yep. Josh Doig at Hibs. 
Um, I've got Ross Graham as well as an option. And then I've got uh, midfield options of Arnie Meyer, who is in the Bundesliga. I've got really high hopes for him. I've still got the guy Sifuentes at LA, who's good. Franco Ibarra at Atlanta, who's very good. So they're all midfields. And then I've got, obviously, Jackson Muleka up yep. front. So, and he's tipped to go to Besiktas, I think it was. Yeah, um, some of the some of the other big Turkish him, clubs were now yeah. being really impressed. Him, him and uh, Gedson Fernandez, I think it is, that are both going to end up there. And that's a, that's a tidy little pair of under-23s that... Uh, and, I mean, I, I think uh, Besiktas' main striker option was... Uh, Batshuayi, yeah, I think that might have been their main option. Uh, don't quote me on that. I know he's there, but he, he was certainly playing a lot of games there. But that that could be quite tidy as well, eh? And I think one of the reasons I want to play under twenty threes is just because the prizes tend to be a wee bit better, don't they? Because you, yeah, you, you could get you could get an absolute gem of an under twenty three that just gets a run in the team, you know. And it's um, it's the goalkeepers that hinder it, and it's it's even the same in the limited. The goalkeepers are expensive, um, but that's because they're so finite. You know, you, there's not many of them. And I mean, if you look at God, I don't know if you watched the or seen the highlights of Donnarumma's masterclass uh, against Germany. Um, there's you know the, there's a, a a probably a, a dearth of uh, quality and the under-23 goalkeeper. So it's going to be one of those where I think if you get a decent one uh, and you get a decent, you know, set of results from your, your under-23s, you could definitely be within, you know, prizes there. So I think it's uh, it's going to be an exciting time, isn't it? It's just getting through these next <laughs> these next uh, six or seven weeks till we get back to the... I mean, I know the Scottish League itself actually starts at the end of July, um, by which time I'll be... A dad to two at that point. <laughs> I probably got about three or four weeks left at that. So, yeah, it's going to be quite interesting. So, leading from there, uh, we will now discuss the giveaway team. Uh, we talked yep. about this in part two of episode 11, which we dropped on Sunday. Sunday into Monday, I think we yep. dropped that. Now, um, I will run over the team again. And we could obviously just very briefly touch on them. If you want to get some more details on each of the players, I would advise you to drop back into part two there. But just to cover it off, we have goalkeeper being Xander Clark. And uh, obviously his destination at the moment is unknown, but he will be a number one goalkeeper. He's in the Scotland squad. He's, you know, it'll be between him and Liam Kelly when, when, uh, when Craig Gordon decides to hand, hang, uh, hang up the gloves there. Um, so, again, there's not been an awful lot of movement, but he has just went and got married. So you're probably looking at another week before we'll find out probably a destination on him. Um, the defender, I've mentioned him. Russ has mentioned him. Uh, Ryan Edwards uh, of Dundee United, captain there as well. Um, solid defender. Um, and again, uh, you know... I, I would say it pains me, but I joke when I say that because, as I've mentioned before, I couldn't give a monkey's what club the players play for. If they're getting me the scores, uh, then then happy days. Uh, Jason Holt, I'm uh, still in contract talks with Livingston. Uh, massive scores there, but he has got interest from the Edinburgh clubs. But wherever he goes, again, he'll be a starter there as well. You've got the creative midfielder, uh, Greg Kilty um, of St Mirren. And then up top, you have Liam Boyce, who at the moment, I believe, is the... The only senior striker on on Harps's books, I would I would think. Um, so you're looking at a very strong team. So what do you have to do to win that? Um, 
now that the podcast is out, and obviously we're recording this on Wednesday night, uh, there'll be a post goes up alongside the podcast, which if you go to Twitter, which is at AVFTDpod, uh, you'll find that tweet. And what that tweet will tell you is you're going to have to do the, the, the old fashioned, you're going to have to follow the AVFTD pod account. You're going to have to like and retweet the post. But what you're also going to have to do is in a couple of moments, we're going to tell you to take a screenshot of you listening to the podcast. And then you're going to DM that screenshot to the podcast Twitter account because we want to ensure that it's a listener that wins this because this ultimately, Russ, this is a thank you to the listeners, isn't it? Definitely, definitely. And it's, you know what, it's a, I'd like to think that it's a pretty decent prize that someone's going to win that ultimately should, in theory, definitely, actually, over the course of the season, win you more prizes. Yes, absolutely. And I think it's, I mean, I've actually got uh, all these cards in my gallery. And, you know, I wouldn't enter it at the same time as, as our winner because they wouldn't want to split prizes. Um, but we... Um, I would, I would genuinely be happy to run with that in Challenger or an All Star, um, and maybe with a, a minor alteration of picking up a, somebody that under a under a forty for the last fifteen, slide it into a specialist. There's plenty of options there with that squad. Um, so taking the time to screenshot it now, whether you're listening to this on PC or Mac, um, you could screenshot it if you're listening to it online, um, and if you're listening to it on your phone, all mobile phone devices these days, any smartphone, you're going to have an option to take screenshot. So it's just going to be taking a screenshot, and we we're going to get you to post it on the thread. But that way, anybody could just take that. You know, somebody who's just found it as a giveaway takes your screenshot, puts it in. So a couple of uh, a couple of folk DM'd us and suggested had we thought of getting it DM'd. At uh, which point we went, ta-da, uh, there's, there's how we're going to do it. So, yes, we will need you in a couple of moments to take a screenshot. And that way, it was Mike H. I just want to give the, the credit. It was Mike H. And it was Adam uh, Carter that gave us the, the idea for the DMs. So, uh, you want to do the honours, Russ? You want to tell people when they've got to go and take their take their screenshot? Just, or? just any time from now, really, isn't it? Yeah, just, so take your screenshot from... now. and. That screenshot that you've just taken is the one that you're going to send over to us on our DM at AVFTDPod. Now, to acknowledge that we've received it, I'll put a like on each one that comes through um, so that you can see that we've acknowledged that we've received uh, your your entry. Um, But that's not confirming that you've done everything else. That's just confirming we've received the DM. That's literally all that's going to be. But that's how we think it's the fairest way to do it, to ensure that it's a listener that wins it, because we want to say thank you for helping us be. And I went through it today, Russ. We've been number two in Sweden. We've been number three in Germany. We've been number five in the UK. We've been in the top 100 in America, all in the fantasy sports categories, all through Apple podcasts. So this isn't some bullshit number that we're pulling out these are actual things that are coming from the apple podcast charts which i still find baffling um but it's awesome at the same time so have a look on chartable.com and you'll see we're in there under the fantasy sports categories and that is thanks to everybody that listens to this um we genuinely are always taken aback. I'm taken aback by the countries that listen to it. Um, but we, so we do want to give a thanks back to everybody. Um, in the current climate, 
I could certainly do with the money that's going into this. Russ could certainly do with the money that's going into this. So it's a genuine thank you from us to everybody. And um, we would be very interested to see whoever wins it, what prizes they do pick up. Eh? Uh, I think that will be quite an interesting journey to see there as well, Russ. Yeah, it, it, it's fantastic. And as I say, I really hope that the, the players all go to a good home and that someone, as I say, by doing the, the DMs, it just means that someone that's actually taking the time to listen to our pod. And, you know, the kudos for us is that, you know, we get up these Apple charts and it's absolutely fantastic for basically two Scottish guys sitting in their houses, talking football, talking surreal. Um, you know, out, outperforming, you know, some of the things like, you know, we outperformed like a talk sport um, yeah. podcast and football like two, three weeks ago. And that, that's just mental. But hey, absolutely fantastic. Thanks very much to everybody. I think the last couple of things we've got, Chris, just to kind of sort of wind us down and, and, and give people's ears a rest. Um, we've got a tiny bit of Scottish news. Could I very quickly just say I'm going to put a deadline on this for Wednesday the 22nd, which is a week from now, 7pm, um, because that allows us to do the draw and we'll announce it on next week's podcast, who has won it. Um, I think that would probably be the best way to do it because we record on a Wednesday night. So if we put a cutoff of 7pm, I'll put that on the tweet. Um, it'll be 7pm, will be the cutoff next Wednesday. I'll then shut off the, uh, the you know, so nobody else can interact with the, with the, with the tweet. Um, but yes, uh, a little bit of Scottish news. Um what have you got? Knew <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you were going to say that. So, um, Dungeon United obviously had a wee bit of um, wee bit of merry-go-round there. Tam Courts, the Dungeon United manager, has left, and mm. he has uh, he has joined a, a new club uh, in Hungary. Was it tonight? It was Hungary. Um, yeah. yeah, he must have seen the success from uh, last night at uh, Wolverhampton and thought that's the country for me. Yeah, yeah. So he's. He's moved. Uh, another couple of sort of links. Jack Ross, heavily linked. So the ex-Hibs and Sunderland manager, heavily linked to Dungeon United to take over. Um, that looks as though that might materialise in 48 hours. Dundee, as a a Dundee fan, reject as well. As a United fan, I'm quite happy with that, given he actually turned down Dundee. Um, oh, did he? Just refused yeah, to move. There's, I think, there's I think, I think potato, potato. Oh, yeah. It's the same thing. In other news... Um, <laughs> Just another connection with both clubs, former Dundee, um, Dungeon United and, and Dundee, obviously Jim McIntyre uh, has joined Cove Rangers. So that's yes. for MD that's not um, listening, probably Aberdeen's second biggest uh, second biggest football club based in Cove Bay, um, just next to the sort of the Alton's area of Aberdeen. As a club with, you know, I think quite high aspirations. Um, Paul Hartley just moved down to Hartlepool. So there's another ex-Dundee manager. He's yep. just moved to Hartlepool from Cove. But they're now in the Scottish Championship, which is the, the second the second um, league in Scotland. So that's quite interesting. Just around Jack Ross, just two or three players that I would maybe think to maybe keep an eye on. Um, Jack Ross has obviously signed a couple of players on a couple of occasions. Um, I would say maybe it might be worth keeping an eye on Dylan McGee, who's a free agent leaving Aberdeen. Jack Cross has signed him before. We're obviously at United, maybe going to be one or two midfielders short. Um, I'm not sure how I'd feel personally about him joining. I know he had quite a high work rate and things, but I'm not sure if he's quite got it. Jake Doyle Hayes. Jake, uh, Jack Cross, big fan of him. He obviously got him to Hibs ahead of United when he signed him for last season. 
obviously there's been some changes at Hibs in relation to their own manager with Lee Johnson going in there. I just wonder, we're obviously trying to, you know, track Dylan Levitt and I don't know if that's going to come to fruition or not. I, I, my heart of hearts tells me that he might just get a slightly higher level um, than, than, than us for next season. If he comes, I'll be absolutely delighted. However, Jake Doyle Hayes, I think, could be one to watch. And finally, Jamie Murphy has signed for Jack Ross on a couple of occasions. And obviously, he's a sort of just been released from Hibs, wide player. Could we see him rock up at Tannadice as well? Apart from that, I've got Kerr McEnroy. There's no card for him. Has left Celtic and joined newly promoted Kilmarnock. Yeah. And Taveras from Benfica 2 has joined Hibs. And that's all I've got on the Scottish news. Chris, unless you've got anything else to add. I, I don't. Um, I think because we did the podcast just the other day, there's not. it's been quite quiet because it's mainly been the internationals, hasn't it? And I think, obviously, there's going to be a lot of people kind of on holiday in the next week or so. I would anticipate probably by next week we might start to see a wee bit of movement. Um, we obviously have mentioned the Motherwell um, draw and that they start their campaign. I think it was the 18th or 21st of... I think it's the 21st of uh, July they start that campaign. So, uh, yeah, it's all go. I, I'm just genuinely looking forward to getting back to some some normal football as such, as opposed to international stuff. Um, Can I tell you what I'm looking forward to? My my uh, my wonderful attempts at the challenge from episode 10? Yeah. Okay. So let's refresh everybody's memory. It was, I had uh, five, play, uh, five players in Serer that um, had famous names that were attached to kind of movie characters, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 Right. So here is what I have. I have three, uh, which are a stretch and I don't care. And I have two that are spot on. So I will go with the stretch ones first and then I'll okay. go with a few spot ons. So um, first and foremost, it's a player that's in my gallery. Um now, if you were to address uh, Marcus Pink uh, and you wanted to call him by a title, you might call him Mr. Pink. <laughs> so, okay. um, from Klagenfurt, uh, Mr. Pink, obviously Reservoir Dogs, I believe. I'll give uh, you that. So, uh, my next one, um, the name's Bond, Jonathan Bond, <laughs> okay. um, LA Galaxy. Uh, now, this one, this one's a controversial one, and I'll apologise in advance. Um, I understand that um, this this gentleman's middle, uh, the, the actual player, his first name is Kingsley. And I understand that it was this individual's middle name, Oscar Kingsley Schindler. Um, left back for, uh, well, we would say, back in the day, we would have said Cologne, but now I believe it's Cologne that you're supposed to pronounce it. Now, do you want the, the two... Perfect ones, then. I want the two perfects. And right, I, I, know, I think I know one of them. Argentinos Junior, Kevin McAllister. Yes. Home Alone. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, yeah. I mean, how do you leave your kid? I don't understand that. Even if you've got a horde of them, um, I don't understand how you leave them. But anyway, he got left home alone. Well, not once, twice. Uh, I was going to make a, a reference there to something completely different, but I decided not to. Um, the final one. Um, this one has a football connection, Russ. You'll like this one. So this one is a, a, a gentleman, a, a winger, midfielder, plays for Fortaleza. His name is Iago Pikachu from the Detective Ooh. Pikachu movie, where he is voiced by, by co-Rexham owner Ryan Reynolds. 
Oh, that's fantastic. So there you go. You can't argue that one. I've got the name dead on. Pikachu's Pikachu. And uh, yeah, bring it right back around to football with with the Ryan Reynolds uh, reference there. So yes, that was the five. Um, That was quite a challenge for me, that one, to be perfectly honest, because I hate films. I don't have the attention span for them. Um, I struggle to get through even a even a 30 minute program without looking at my phone or wanting to check something online or whatever else. It's just my attention span's always been like that. Um, so to sit through a movie, you know, as great as some of the movies might have been, like Schindler's List and things like that, I couldn't sit through a three hour movie. I just couldn't do it. So um, that's a great that, was, effort. that was a challenge. That was a challenge, but I, I, I got there. I got there. I'm glad I had two well, weeks for it. Well, the good, the good, the good, the good news is, is because I've obviously been uh, been bedded for so long with uh, with COVID and uh, just not being thing. There's no, there's no challenge for next week. Let's concentrate <laughs> just on the competition. But it will be back the week after. I hope so. So that's all. That's all I've got this week. Um, I know that we've kept everybody probably quite a long time again. However, yeah, it's uh, it's not too bad. We're probably you know it's making up for our for our missed podcast last week. And obviously, with it being the competition and you know people getting their screenshots in. And um, it was important, I think, that we, you know, covered off the bases. Uh, we hope we've helped people in terms of the ETH. As Russ said, DMs are open on both our personal accounts and also on the pod account. Um, get in touch if, you, if you're if you worried or you, you want some advice. And again, this isn't going to be financial advice. None even the players that we recommend are financial advice. This is just what we've done and what our experience is, you know, has been on the platform in the last 15, 16 months. So that's all it's going to be is advice. Um and yeah, beyond that, again, thank you as ever. We uh we are forever grateful um for the for the, the listens and getting us up those charts. I want to crack the top five in uh, the UK this week. So let's see if we can do that. Tell your friends, get them involved in the giveaway, um, get them in, you know, get their screenshots in and get us going. Yeah. Yes, that, that's really it. I thought Russ was jumping at the bit to get something in there, but uh do you know what? Just one final thing, ahead. just for just for a little bit of fun. If um obviously any most people that will have listened probably have kicked the ball at some point. So if you uh go and Google your first pair of boots and maybe yeah. uh, maybe just yeah. tag us in them, um we'll we'll give you a we'll give you a boot rating, I think, from an R or a K. How about that? Yeah, sounds good. Sounds good. We could do that. And again, even if it's kits, um and if anybody wants to uh, you know, uh purchase a kit from cult kits or from classic football shirts or what have you and uh, send it on to Russ or myself. Russ is, I think it's a 4XL now, is it Russ? On on that note. (laughs) On that note. uh, Thanks very much, guys. Um, I'm a a, a large or sometimes an XL, depending if it's an old fit. Russ, I think four, maybe five. Anyway, guys, take care. We will speak to you all next week when we announce the winner of the giveaway and uh, more shenanigans at that point. Take care, guys. Speak to you soon.